0: Welcome to the Monterey Podcast. For more information, check out our website at MontereyChurch.com.
1: I don't know what your conclusion is after all of those videos this uh, this summer. Uh, My conclusion is there are some folks in this church who probably need to come to a special class where I can teach them all of the characters in the Bible. And you're welcome to join us as well. We have explored a number of characters throughout the summer. And so let me begin today by simply thanking you for the kind words that you have spoken regarding this series. We've called it Unqualified. And hopefully as we have looked at some of these men and women in Scripture, you have been able to identify with their journey of faith. In fact, I think one of the beauties of Scripture is that Scripture is filled with the stories of men and women just like us, uh, folks who experience mountain peaks and valleys in their journey of faith, folks who no doubt would have said, I am unqualified, and yet God used them in extraordinary ways. And one of the intriguing pieces of this series, and it was part of our intent from the very beginning, is that we have explored the stories of several biblical characters who are mentioned In very few places in Scripture. Obviously, that's not true for all of the characters we have studied. For example, we started this series by talking about Abraham and Sarah. Abraham, the father of the faithful. Abraham, the one that God makes incredible promises to. And because of that storyline, Abraham shows up on many pages in Scripture. But we've also studied some other characters that are not nearly known as well. The little videos that have introduced these sermons certainly indicate that. Characters that we just don't know as well. Uh, Anna, for example, who's only mentioned in Luke chapter 2, but such an incredible woman in the story of Joseph and Mary as they bring Jesus to the temple. Miriam, the sister of Moses, who is only mentioned a few times in Scripture. Onesimus, uh, the character that Aaron Dawson talked about last Sunday as he took you to the book of Philemon. Young King Z- uh, Josiah uh, that Malcolm Drumright introduced us to several weeks ago. Uh, characters that we don't know nearly as well, and yet all of them play such an important part in the overall story of God. The same is true for Stephen today. Uh, his story is found in the book of Acts. If you have read the book of Acts frequently, you know that chapter 6, chapter 7, the first verse of chapter 8 will reference the story of Stephen. Beyond that, only a couple of brief descriptions about this man a bit later in the book of Acts. He may not be as well known, but he plays a very significant role in the history of the early church. First introduced to him in Acts chapter 6. And you may recall, as you begin reading Acts chapter 6, there is a significant need that arises in that early church. In fact, I would describe it as a pretty significant conflict with a growing number of disciples with ever-increasing needs, the care that the early church had for those who were in need, and in particular, widows. In that story, the daily distribution of food to widows there were certain widows who were being overlooked in that daily distribution of food. And so there was a need for some folks to step in, to coordinate, to supervise, to serve tables, to make sure that everyone was taken care of, that everyone had a fair share. I want you to notice how the, how the apostles responded to that crisis, Acts chapter 6, beginning at verse 2. And so the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right For us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables, brothers and sisters choose seven men from among you. Listen carefully who are known to be full of the spirit and of wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them, this important responsibility, but we'll turn it over to them so that we can give our attention to prayer and to the ministry of the word. I want you to notice that the apostles' solution was not to find those who were skilled in logistics, those who were skilled in distribution. They did not seek out men who had a background in business or management, and that's not to take away from the important gifts that needed to exist in order for that ministry to take place, but rather they sought out those who were known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. Just a bit later, we read that Stephen, one of the seven who was chosen, was full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. My point is the apostles did not look for abilities as much as they did for character, for integrity, for folks who had the Spirit of God fully dwelling within them, whose lives were evidence of them following in the steps of the Spirit. Again, that doesn't mean that we minimize abilities or gifts. But as we would point out if we were studying the story of King David, God, first of all, wants the heart. It's not what's on the outside. God wants the heart. I suspect, in some respects, that was kind of unexpected as this story unfolds, especially, again, when you're looking for folks who will lead a very, very significant ministry. The seven who are chosen may have been incredibly gifted in all of those areas. But again, the focus is not upon their abilities. The focus is upon their hearts. You see, if the church is to have confidence in this group of folks who are selected, who are entrusted with this responsibility, the apostles knew they needed folks of good reputation. It's about character. And I think it's a good reminder that God is always looking for folks with that kind of heart, a heart for God and a heart for people. And so if you don't hear me say anything else this morning, please hear this. God is concerned about who we are more than what we can do. God is concerned about who we have become rather than all of the achievements that may be a part of our lives. Because when we have that kind of heart, just like these seven in Acts 6, we're always going to be ready to serve and to bless others. And so the church chose seven men. Their names are listed in Acts chapter 6, verse 5. Five of the seven are not mentioned anywhere else in Scripture. And so if we had begun the little video this morning asking those folks or asking you to identify who is this person and we named one of those five, my guess is 99.99% of us would not know any of those. Only Philip and Stephen will be mentioned again. And interestingly, Stephen is the one among the seven who is highlighted because, again, Luke will say he was a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And then a couple of verses later in verse 8, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. In fact, as that story unfolds, we read the, the word full several times. Look out among you for those who are full of the Spirit and of wisdom, Stephen who is full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, Stephen who is full of God's grace and power. Because of who Stephen was, the text tells us as he begins to do more than just serve tables, as important as that ministry was, as he begins to engage in a lot of miraculous wonders, doing great things for the sake of the kingdom. The text tells us that members of one of the Jewish synagogues began to debate with Stephen, but they could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. And so they stirred up a report against Stephen. Happens often in the book of Acts as those who are opposed to Christianity spread false reports about the apostles, about Paul, about others, and so they stir up a false report against Stephen. They seize him. They arrest him. They bring him before the Jewish Sanhedrin, charging him with blasphemy, and then this incredible line. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. And I'll leave that one for you to just ponder in terms of what is being reflected in that text, but this beautiful impression of one who is so godly, so full of the Spirit, his face like the face of an angel. Stephen may have begun by serving tables, and again, that is an important ministry. Don't minimize that. But he continues to make a great impact for the kingdom of God with his boldness, with the works he is engaged in. And as we begin to read Acts chapter 7, he preaches a passionate sermon to the Sanhedrin. In fact, if you've not read Acts chapter 7 in a while, that's one of your assignments for the week. Go home and read Stephen's sermon. He pleads with them to understand what God has done for Israel, urging them to trust what he calls the righteous one, as he describes Jesus, the righteous one whom they had murdered, to trust the promises of God. In fact, Stephen's sermon is the longest recorded sermon in the book of Acts. Sermon of Peter, sermons of Paul, Stevens is the longest recorded sermon in the book of Acts. And as a result, listen carefully, as a result of his passionate sermon, the authorities decided to stone him. And as a result of that event, they decided to launch an all-out attack against the church, which will be spearheaded by Saul, whom we will know later as the Apostle Paul. In that respect, Stephen becomes even more important. In so many respects, he is the bridge to the Gentile world as those who are persecuted are scattered from Jerusalem to other regions. In fact, chapter 11, verse 19, another verse that mentions Stephen, those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch, spreading the word at this point only among the Jews. But it won't be but a few lines after that, when Paul and Barnabas began to travel to different parts of that first century world. Stephen left an imprint on the history of the early church. And Luke wants his readers, he wants us to know that it was because of his heart, his character, his boldness, the fact that he's filled with the spirit, he's filled with wisdom, he has a deep devotion for scripture. In fact, in so many respects, I think we see glimpses in Stephen's character that remind us of the life of Jesus. He speaks truth. He speaks with authority. He speaks with wisdom. He speaks with courage. Even in the face of opposition, he is so filled with the spirit of God. At the end, he prays for the Lord to receive his spirit as he dies. And he asked God to forgive those who were stoning him. Just like Jesus had asked God to forgive those who were responsible for crucifying him. He lived and he died like his master and that's a life well lived. Brady reminded us of that a few moments ago, a life well lived. One, ha- one doesn't have to live a long life. My guess is Stephen was a relatively young man at this point. He doesn't have to live a long life to be, uh, to, to, to be a life that honors God, to be a great life. In fact, if you were to ask me, what are some of the common threads you see between Jesus and Stephen? I'd talk about Stephen's humility. I'd talk about Stephen's compassion. I'd talk about Stephen's faithfulness. He is indeed someone who is incredibly humble, who is incredibly compassionate. We see that initially as he serves tables, as he helps coordinate this ministry of food distribution among those widows who are being neglected. He is gifted in so many ways, and yet he's not so full of himself that he cannot serve tables. It is that kind of humility, that kind of compassion that shines through. And it is a compassion not only for those he's serving when food is being distributed, I I think it is a compassion for those who are part of that Jewish Sanhedrin who are unwilling to hear what he has to say. The the passion in that sermon in Acts 7 runs so deep. In fact, you can even see uh, his concern for them at the end of the sermon when he will speak words that taken out of context may shock us, but within context remind us of his passion. He says to these folks, you stiff-necked people, with uncircumcised hearts and ears. Why is he so worked up? Because these folks who should know Scripture so well are refusing the Christ that Scripture spoke of. These folks who are so close and yet who are so far away. Stephen's faithfulness follows him all the way to death, a reminder again that we need to be faithful even to the point of death, even in the midst of suffering that may come our way because of our service to God. Bottom line, Stephen did not die in vain. I love the line from the second century church father, Tertullian. Uh, Brady was talking earlier about one of the, uh, one of the other Christian martyrs, uh, Polycarp, and that'd be a great video question to pose as well, Brady. So who was Polycarp? And Brady would say a fish. Uh, second century church father, Tertullian said, listen to his quote, the blood of martyrs is the seed of the church. A reminder that our, uh, our service, our involvement, our investment in kingdom work reaps benefits that we may not see. Just like Stephen did not live to see Saul who was there holding the garments of those who stoned him, just like he did not see Saul turn to Christ and become an incredible missionary, and yet it is Stephen's life that was that bridge. And I think we also, in the story in Acts 7, get a glimpse of how Jesus viewed Stephen. Chapter chapter 7, verse 55, as the, the crowd from the Sanhedrin begins to rush, Stephen tells us that Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, he looked up to heaven and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing. And maybe that's a significant little word. Not just sitting at the right hand of God, but standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Stephen's life is a challenge for us to be like Christ and to live like Christ, to be humble, to serve, to be compassionate, and to be faithful to God's calling in our lives. And just like some of these other characters, maybe today, Stephen is someone that you can identify with or that all of us need to identify with. And so would you turn your attention to the screens again as we reflect on Stephen?
0: My name is Brian. Uh, Brian Cologne. My family and I—we've been members of the church s- for three months now. My wife is Natalie. We've been married 12 years. My my daughter Samara is nine. My my son Isaiah is five. I work at Texas Tech. I'm the administrator of the call center for the housing department. And um, so this time of year, we're actually super busy because we've got a lot of a lot of people move into the. The residence halls and everything. Stephen is someone I really, I really connect with in, in scripture because I see him as someone who has an enormous passion to, or uh, to teach. You know, he has an enormous passion for you know for the word of God, and yet he didn't wait for permission to do anything about it you know to me the Bible is just like a really cool comic book you know it's like it's got all these really cool stories in it and I want I want to be like this expert in like like other people are like experts in like Star Wars and stuff I like I want to be like an expert in the Bible and just have that kind of that kind of uh, that kind of obsession with it if that makes sense you know I'm Brian Cologne and I'm unqualified.
1: Well, it, it, and if you walked into Brian's office, you would discover very quickly that he is a Star Wars fan. And so all of the figures that are on one of the shelves, uh, so grateful that Brian and Natalie and their kids are part of our church family. And Brian, thank you again for joining us this morning. Uh, we, we've shared throughout this summer that probably there are biblical characters that all of us would identify with, maybe favorite characters, maybe characters that have inspired us, uh, conversations that Brian and I have had previously, and you got a hint of it in the video uh, Stephen is one of those guys who inspires you. And so how do you identify with Stephen and how has he inspired your life, your journey?
0: Well, Stephen is a really interesting um, character to me. He um, really just exemplifies this love for scripture. That, that sermon that you were talking about, the, se- the one that's in chapter 7, the longest one in the, in the New Testament. When you read that, you can see he goes into exquisite detail about Abraham and Moses, you know, and Joseph and his brothers and, and, and all this stuff. And he links those together, you know, and, and, and only someone who has just an amazing love for God's word would be able to do something like that, you know, and, um, I, and I really admire that about Stephen. And the, the thing is, is that um, you know, not only does he love the word, but I think anyone who loves the word of God that much probably wants to talk about it a lot. You know, and so, so, which is probably why it's the longest sermon in the New Testament. You know, I was reading it this morning, and and I noticed um, Stephen could have gotten to his point a lot quicker than he did, but he didn't. He wanted to keep talking about it because he just loved the Word of God that, that much, you know.
1: Um, well, well, and, and, and like, it's obvious you know, when you and I talk the kind of passion, the kind of devotion that uh, Brian has for the Word of God and his, his longing uh, to teach the Word of God. And, and, and in that respect, I'll go ahead and transition to a second question. Uh, we, we've talked in this series, in fact, we've called the series Unqualified because we want each of us to recognize that no matter how gifted we may be, that it's not our power, it's not our strength, it's not our gifts, it's God working through us. It's God who qualifies yes, us. Yes. The flip side of that and I want to word this very carefully. The flip side of that is, I never want to look at anybody in the body of Christ and say, You don't count. You're unimportant because there is a place for all of us. I never want to look at anybody and say, Oh, you're not qualified to be here to serve, etc. And again, Brian, from what you have shared with me about your story, you've walked a journey where you have felt like folks were saying, Hey, you're not qualified. You don't belong
0: right so um, I was baptized uh, in a church in California um, to put it to put it simply uh, sort of a Church of Christ offshoot uh, same denomination same um, excuse me same uh, doctrines different culture um, and, and, d- and that was twenty years ago 20 years ago right um, and um, uh, the, that different culture had a lot to do with uh, for some reason you know if you wanted to be a teacher that is synonymous with being a leader. If you want to be a leader, you need to be chosen. You need to be selected from the group. Um, if you wanted to be one and you spoke up and said, Hey, I want to do it. I want to do it. And then that's kind of seen as well, maybe you should wait a little while and be humble and wait for me to, 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 choose you, you know? So I'm like, okay, well, cause I did that, you know? And so he says, well, okay, I'll wait. And I waited for, for a long time, you know? And, um, and uh, all the while, I'm, I'm just developing this obsession that I mentioned in the video of, of the Word of God, and I'm, I'm loving it, and I want to talk about it. Eventually, caught up with this, um, with this uh, para-church organization that I still very much love and endorse, and we call ourselves the Apologetics Research Society, and uh, the website is evidenceforchristianity.org, and you can check that out if you'd like. Um, uh, I have some great memories with that group. Um, and like what Stephen did, see the, the other thing I like about Stephen is that he he didn't wait for permission. I was waiting for permission for a while, and then after a while I said, you know what, permission is not going to come, you know. And so I kind of just sort of did it on my own. Um, the thing with Stephen and um, and this is something I was my mind went blank a moment ago, so I want to fill this part in here. Um, the thing with Stephen is that I really see him as a. As someone like he wanted to be there with the apostles. The story of Stephen comes on the heels of Peter and John going to talk to the Sanhedrin, preaching to them, and then they get flogged for their efforts. And they come back with all these wounds on their back, and they're like, Yay, we got to get beaten for the cause of Christ. This is awesome. We're counted worthy. And the whole time, Stephen was just like, I said I wanted to go with you guys, you know? And um, he says, well, you can't come because, you know, you're, you're not qualified. And he says, okay, but what, what, why not? And he says, well, because you're not an apostle. I said, okay, well, can I be an apostle? No, you're not qualified. Why not? Because, you, you know, you weren't there with us from the beginning, and you didn't witness Jesus' resurrection. These are two things that they mention as a qualification. So he didn't qualify for that, and so he, you know, so, you know couldn't do it. So he's like, well, what can I do? you know, and it's just like, well, you can pass out food. Granted, very important ministry. I'm not downplaying that at all, but based on that sermon that I see in in chapter seven, it seemed to me he wanted to be doing something else. He finally did it without permission, and so I did it without permission in California, and, um, I enjoyed my time there, and, um, got to speak at different universities, uh, York College in Nebraska, um, University of Miami even, they flew me out there for that. One time, I didn't tell you this earlier, Barry, um, I actually got to go to Mexico and I had an interpreter with me and that was just cool to be able to speak here and then I'm being interpreted every, every half you know, sentence or whatever. Anyways, great times. When, um, but eventually we decided to move to Texas because it's Texas. It's just better than California. And so, um, <laughs> and so you know, we come here, and I had this idea that I was just like, well, you know, I have all this teaching experience in my parachurch organization. I figured the local church that I came to here would just snatch me up and no problem at all. And um, I, unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. I still faced the same unqualified, um, you know, sort of rhetoric that I had always heard. Before And so um, just a, a couple, a couple of months ago, I, I you, know, you know, very gentlemanly said to my pastor, I said, well, I'm going to be moving to another congregation, turned out to be the Monterey Church of Christ, um, because there they let me teach or they're going to let me teach, you know, <laughs> and I had an opportunity just last week, actually, to do that. And so um, so that's what's what has brought my family here. And uh, that is, that is, that's
1: pretty much the story. So in just a word or two, when somebody looks at you and says, oh, there's not a place for you to teach, you're unqualified, how does that make you feel?
0: Well, obviously that's, that's discouraging. You know, it's very discouraging to hear that. But at, the, but at least there's, there should be hope there. You know, If I'm, un, I'm unqualified, great, what's the qualification? I'll get it, and then we won't have a problem anymore, right? You know, didn't happen. It didn't happen. And so um, because that qualification was, I, I don't know, I think they're looking for a particular personality type that I'm just not, I don't really know. Yep. But anyways, um, uh, but yeah, it's discouraging to hear that you're unqualified and then someone else is apparently better than you or something. Yeah.
1: You know? So for the hundreds of folks who are here today, I hope you've never heard from anyone in this church. Uh, you don't belong. There's not a place for you. Uh, if you have, please accept uh, our apologies. Please forgive us. Uh, but for folks who may be sitting there, Brian, who are saying, I, I, I don't know if there's a place for me. I don't know uh, whether I can serve. What, what would you want to say to them to encourage them today?
0: Well, very simply, um, if that's you and the thing we're talking about is you want to be a teacher, um, do me a favor. Come talk to me. I'm sitting in row four, seat A, <laughs> and um, the... Uh, I would love to get to know you. You know, we've only been here for a couple months, so we're still trying to meet some some people, develop some some great relationships. Um, but also, I mean, if you want to do something, I mean, the bar for qualification here is pretty low. So. <laughs> so
1: So, so, so I got to, I got to pause there for just a minute (laughs) because when Brian and I were talking a few days ago and I said, here's going to be kind of my final question. He responded in that way. And then he kind of laughed and said, but I probably can't say that. And I said, oh, please do. (laughs) Please do. Again, uh, we want people to grow. We want people to develop uh, their skills and their gifts. But the reality is, like I said earlier, God's looking for hearts. God's looking for hearts. And so, uh, just like our leadership often says at Monterey, if there's an area where you want to serve, if there's a ministry you want to begin, go for it. Let us know so that we can encourage you in any way we can, but go for it. What, what else would you add?
0: Well, I would just add that um, you really need to just do it and draw your inspiration from Stephen. Stephen just did it, okay? Stephen was in charge of, he was a waiter, okay, or maybe perhaps managers of the waiters, but he really wanted to teach, and he just did it. So Nike, just do it. Amen. Amen.
1: There you go. Well, let's, let's thank Brian for sharing with us this morning. Thank you, brother. And again, my prayer throughout this series is that all of us recognize on one hand, none of us are qualified. God is the one who does extraordinary things. The other side is God longs for people like Stephen, like Brian, like all of us to say here's where my heart is, here's where my passion is and so when's the last time you served? When's the last time you stepped into that gap and said there's something I want to do that needs to be done? May you have that kind of heart this morning as well. Let's pray together. Father for all the Stevens in the world, We pray blessings, and we pray, God, that we're willing to step through the doors that you open for us, to to climb through the windows that exist in our lives to bless and to serve you and to bless and to serve others. Thank you again, God, for the incredible stories that Scripture brings to us. In the name of Christ, amen. Amen. A couple of our shepherds will be at the front. We can bless you today in any way. We would invite you. Let's sing together again this morning.